0: This is Truth Be Told. Hey everyone, and welcome back to Truth Be Told. We're super excited. We're already in the month of January. Can you believe it? 2020, a new year. And in honor of the month of January, we are gonna be talking about human trafficking. It is Human Trafficking Awareness Month. We're super excited. We have a special guest today, Holly Christine Hayes, and we are so excited to have her here. Jen, we miss you. We can't wait to have you back. And we're gonna be talking about human trafficking today. Now. Holly, our special guest, actually has an organization that we're going to talk about later that we're super excited about and very passionate about here at the table. But I just wanted to talk to you ladies about this issue and just some things that are close to your heart, maybe, about the issue in particular, um, and maybe some fun facts that you know that maybe we could share with our audience that maybe they don't know about. It's hard to think of fun facts. I know. (laughs) i like trying to, you know, you're like, you're you're trying to make it accessible to people because sometimes it's very difficult. Like people don't want to talk about it. It can feel very dark, but I feel the more that we make it relatable Mm and the more conversations we have about it that are, that feel a little bit less like, Yeah. yeah you yeah. know, the more people will be aware of this issue and the more people that will participate and help yeah. end this
1: modern-day slavery. Yeah. yeah. There's Absolutely. a great documentary out called Nefarious. I'm not sure if um, you guys have seen it, um, uh-huh. but yeah. it was the first time that I really had my eyes open to uh, the trafficking movement and kind of how prevalent it is. Like, we kind of, I think, sometimes um, say, oh, of course that happens in, like, Tijuana. Yeah, <laughs> so, over yeah. There, You know, like, yeah. over there. But, like, the fact that it's happening in our backyard... Um, mm-hmm. I used to live in Redding, California, and the I-5 went from Mexico all the way up to uh, Canada, and it was the most trafficked mm-hmm. piece of uh, highway in the entire uh, wow. country. Wow. And so um, for me, I was constantly, like, aware of it. We had a truck stop just outside of Redding that was known as, like, a trafficking hub for mm-hmm. girls, and it was just, like – it. It put a lot of fear in me actually and so but it, it, it raised my awareness of it all and just um how prevalent it is in our backyard and not just yeah. in over there in someone else's backyard. Well
2: even so. just to backtrack, I mean, just in that, like I know personally too I've had to ask a lot of people like what is trafficking? Actually yeah. and when we pulled our audience we got, you know, some people who said, Hey, actually I don't really know what trafficking. Is. Yeah, that's honest. Yeah, that's um yeah, and you know, some people are like, Hey yes I do, but what can I actually do? about it so maybe we can get like a definition just kind of you know moving forward in the episode like what is trafficking Yeah, yeah so
3: um so sex trafficking so there's different types of trafficking so sex trafficking specifically is a commercial sex act performed through force fraud or coercion um, so commercial sex act mean, meaning someone is there's money being exchanged um, so someone is paying for sex and, um, and it's specifically trafficking if the person who is being exploited for sex is um, or the person who's being paid for the sex is doing that through force fraud or coercion. Um, so a question that, that I get a lot or that we get a lot is um, is all prostitution trafficking and um, I would say most <laughs> is yeah. because yeah. Um, because um, most of the time there is sort of a pimp behind the scenes who's pulling the strings who's manipulated that woman into that lifestyle um, very few women choose a life of um, of sex work
2: yeah. uh, and if they
3: are choosing that life oftentimes they're choosing it from childhood damage um, in my case so I was trafficked um, from the ages of 19 to 21 and, um, and that came that that uh, that exploitation came because I had had sexual abuse in my childhood that made me more susceptible to yeah. it. And so a lot of the women I was around who considered themselves sex workers and maybe would even say they were choosing it, no one really chooses yeah. 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 that so life. True. Like no healthy, well-adjusted woman um, who knows their identity in, in God would would choose that. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that you were
0: sharing that because there are different types of trafficking. And, yeah. and some other ones are forced labor, yeah. uh, bonded labor, involuntary domestic servitude, and child soldiers. And we're going to also, leave some descriptions of all these other ones so that you guys can understand a little bit more um, about trafficking. Um, you know, I think mostly we focus on sex trafficking, uh, just as a society, and even I think for women, it's very close to us. Um, um, and I kind of really want to focus on that because I think that's where a lot of uh, of our information, even here today, and just kind of our passion stands. But trafficking, there are all different types of trafficking, <laughs> and so mm-hmm. if you're mm-hmm. curious, there are great organizations that are educating every single day about. Uh, different types of trafficking. A21 campaign is also a really great organization go check out their website and they're really great at not just telling you what it is, but actually giving you stats and statistics on like every single region around the world, which is very important because I think a lot of times we just focus on our own area, but we don't realize that it's a global issue. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the fact that uh, a lot of times when you're living on border States, you know, especially with sex trafficking, as soon as they get them over those lines, a lot of times they go international. So, um, it's very important to be educated about laws and different, um, trafficking around the world as well.
4: Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
3: absolutely.
4: And I think people they don't realize the correlation with porn and and strip clubs mm-hmm. and human sex trafficking because I think that there's still coercion in all of those instances or there's desperation and that that's their opportunity to like be okay.
3: Mm. Absolutely, it creates the demand. Because you can't have have a product without a demand for the product, right? And so I think we're seeing such a rise in sex trafficking because we're seeing such a rise in accessibility to pornography and things like that. And so men are seeing on, uh, not just men, men and women, let's be real about pornography, men and women are seeing sex um, portrayed in this certain way in pornography where it's like I can have anything I want It's um, it should look violent you know. whatever they're being exposed to then they're seeking that out in real life yeah. and um, a healthy well adjusted woman in the context of a relationship might not be interested in that kind of sexual relationship yeah. Yeah. and so they're going and buying it and a lot of times men who are buying sex don't even realize the, that the women they're buying the sex from are not choosing that life yeah, um, no. the men will, the Johns will often lie to themselves and say like oh I'm helping pay her pay for college or Oh, you know, it's just yeah. a business transaction, and they try
4: to justify. it. They justify
3: it, it yeah. and they don't realize that that there's something going on behind the scenes for that woman that where she's being um, where she's being forced into this life, where where yeah. there's some sort of force fraud or coercion. And um, I'm really passionate about talking about the link to uh, addiction as well, because mm. um, either either women are choosing uh, to get into, into a trafficking type relationship, sometimes out of necessity because they're addicted, or traffickers are getting young women addicted to drugs in, yeah. the, in the midst of this. So right. there's there's this stronghold of addiction happening that blinds them um, and that really keeps them in yeah. chains. Well, and yeah. don't the pimp
4: like pimps, mm-hmm. they typically try to fill the void of like a fatherly mm-hmm. l- or a lover yeah. figure in their lives and then they create that dependency so that, and I know that they like target at-risk youth and like Absolutely. kids that are trapped in the system. They're going to target people who don't know love or... If they do, it's really manipulative.
3: Yeah, low self-esteem. Yeah, um, that was the case for me. So it's called a Romeo pimp, and um, mm-hmm. it literally, you guys, I'm embarrassed how long it took me to realize I was trafficked because for years I thought he was my boyfriend. Mm. He was my boyfriend. I mean, I still sometimes will call him like my ex-boyfriend, and I've mm-hmm. had to be yeah. really clear and be like, no, my trafficker, because he had other women, and yes. I knew that, but I just wanted to be his favorite. You wanted um, to be loved. I wanted to be loved. Yeah, um, love had been so perverted from. Me and, um, and there was, and I had such low self-esteem. And then this man came along and said, "You have value. It's what a man will pay for you."
2: Mm-hmm. Um, and so
3: oftentimes the a misconception I'll hear a lot about trafficking is the pimps will make the women feel like they have no value and they'll you know like squash them to the point that they do this but in my case and I think in a lot of women's case this was the first time I'd heard I had value and so mm-hmm. me me getting paid for sex in that transaction even if he kept the money felt like I had value and it yeah. felt like I had worth and um, and it felt like a, like a step up from maybe a life of promiscuity that I'd mm-hmm. been in before because at least now I, I was I had value, yeah. and so I mean you can imagine how valueless you'd have to feel as a human in order to um, to agree with that being your value. But yeah. this is the issue we need to look out for in yeah. young women, um, mm-hmm. young women with low self esteem, young women who have come from abusive families. Those are the women who are going to be prey for traffickers who are going to come along and say, "I'm going to keep you safe. I'm going to help you out. Yeah. Um, I'll show you that you have value," and then all of a sudden they're into this horribly exploitive world. Yeah. Uh, I
2: love that you're talking about you're talking about value you know because I know we were talking with um or I was speaking with our mutual friend Kim Biddle who mm. uh, founded an organization called Saving, Saving Innocence, Innocence. Yeah. yeah and big fans big fans <laughs> mm. um, which is also a great anti-trafficking organization yeah. if you're you know <laughs> looking around but and they do um, a lot of policy work changing policies
3: in policies, the government which is and huge and incredible yeah, huge. incredible work there yeah doing. yeah so yeah
2: good. and you know we were I was just talking like okay so why why do like beyond just being kind of horrified at what happens, like, tell me more about the issue in and of itself and why every human should care about this. And really, it's because it it boils down to value. Like, humanity, or every human has value, and when we remove that as a culture, then we are slowly, like, dehumanizing each other, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's why it matters to every single person to be, um, you know, to really care about, yeah this specific issue yeah.
0: it's so stinky though because like you guys were saying how many people actually pay into this industry and don't even realize right. they're supporting human trafficking mm, Absolutely. <laughs> that's why I like conversations like this to kind of debunk what's actually happening yeah. and what you're contributing to and how it's actually affecting the value of a life I remember when I lived in Asia I lived in Indonesia and China for a year um, and I happened to work in the entertainment industry and in that industry you're surrounded around a lot of you know sex alcohol and mm-hmm. things of that nature And I remember um, always seeing these women at these different, like, venues. And I was like, okay, these women are here. They're always here. Like, every single night they're here. And I'm like, are they, like— prostitutes. Now, mind you, I was so young. I had no clue. And if I'm being really honest, there was um, an attitude that I had towards them of like, oh, that's gross and that's disgusting and this and this and that. But I It had, is gross and disgusting. Let's be real. A <laughs> more but, like it's but, their choice. But, exactly. And that's what exactly. Like, yeah. It's, it's yeah. gross and disgusting. And the fact like these women, like not really understanding their stories and the lives yeah. and maybe even yeah. how they had those experiences. And so that was my perspective until I found myself always around these women, started to have conversations with them. And then I started hearing how their parents sold them, yeah. you know, how they yeah. were told that they were going yeah. to the city for a certain mm-hmm. job. And then once they came there, it was a different story. Yeah. And then they would threaten their families. And sorry, it breaks my heart. And then they would, they would say, hey, if you don't do this, then we're going to kill your family. Or if you don't do this, you're not going to have money to send back to the families. And it like broke my heart. And then I, I had to like really like stop and like ask for forgiveness because here I was judging these women, but I didn't realize that's like, Working at like a grocery store for us—that's mm-hmm. like the access and the 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 pursuit that they have for for these women in these underprivileged nations, and even like even our in our communities, and even in impoverished communities where a lot of people will go, and that will be a target demographic for mm-hmm. them to find these women. And it just broke my heart. And that's honestly where the passion and the desire to contribute really came from. Mm-hmm. Um, and just realizing that they are just wanting a normal yeah. life and yeah. wanting yeah. to be loved and wanting to take care of people and just yeah. wanting to help and it was just like mind blowing.
4: It is
3: well, and it's heartbreaking. Yeah. It but really isn't
4: is. the The average age of a human sex trafficking victim, isn't it like 12 years old? Yeah,
3: 12 or 13. And it depends on the the country. I mean, you're talking about Asian countries. Sometimes it's even younger. Yeah, Yeah. Um, yeah. Sadly, the girls in in countries like Thailand, Cambodia, Indonesia are being sold very, very, very young. And And boys, too. Yeah, and boys, too. And often the boys are turned into lady boys. Mm -hmm. Um, They're turned into girls. Um, so, from a very young age, they're given like hormones and um, breast implants and things like that, and then um, and castrated or not castrated, but um, but turned into into ladyboys, which are like a delicacy. <laughs> yeah, in this sex tourism world. Yep. And yeah, it's It's incredibly um, young. Yeah. It's really heartbreaking. Um, but that's the age that uh, if you think back to being a 13-year-old girl, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you remember how it felt to be a 12- or 13-year-old girl, yeah. gosh, I yeah. mean, it's if so any true. boy even looked my way, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm <laughs> so special. He has a crush on me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in love. <laughs> 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 I'm in love. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he likes me. And you're so vulnerable, right? Yes. And, and you're just sort of discovering that you're a sexual... Being in a way, or that you're a mm-hmm. that you're a feminine being, yeah. and so it really is this prime time to exploit. And um, and so, especially with uh, social media these days, it's yeah. For for those of us with my daughter's four, five months old, so I don't have to worry about this quite yet. But for yeah. those of us with daughters, or um, we just have to be so aware that there are predators out there, and mm-hmm. not to be in yeah. like a ooh, be, be afraid, be very afraid way. But um, there are predators out there on social media looking for the girls who are on Snapchat yeah, and selfieing so themselves true. and. Mm-hmm. looking looking really, because those types of things are a marker to a trafficker that that girl is insecure and looking for attention. And they can just come in and say, oh my gosh, you're so beautiful. I've never seen anyone so beautiful. You should be a movie star. I want to help you out. Mm-hmm. I want to take you to Hollywood or whatever. Yeah. And that's oftentimes in America how this how this happens or gets started. And yeah, yeah but, overseas, it's really more common that, that, yeah, the, that the parents are, sadly, the parents are selling their children. Yeah. Yeah. And so there we need to educate parents in those communities. Don't sell your children. Yeah. <laughs> your children yeah. have inherent value. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, And that's where I think us sharing um, sharing the gospel or, you know, getting a message of, like, people have value into those communities is important. Um, we we have a mutual friend who runs an organization called Unlikely Heroes, yeah. and they're doing a lot of that work in Asia. Yeah. yeah, they do a lot. In Mexico.
1: Can you, like, give us some, like, how do you make this? It feels like such a big issue, you know? Like, how do you bring this back to the individual? Because I know it's like, for me, sometimes I look at this kind of thing and I'm like, I'm so
3: overwhelmed. (laughs) Like, what can I, little old
1: me, do to kind of help in this area? Or, you know, even like, how do we make this more real to us? Like, are there ways that we can bring this home as like, I don't. I don't know. Like, I'm just like, how can we, as a community, like make this an us issue and not a them issue? You oh, that's know, such a
3: great question. I think, like, for each of us, um, there's an opportunity to look at what area of this breaks my heart the most. Mm-hmm. So I saw Marquita get very teared up yeah. when you were thinking about ch- children being sold yeah, yeah. in overseas, right? Um, and so, if that's the issue that breaks your heart. Um, get get around an organization that's doing that specific work um, in Asia there's one called Nightlight and one called Rahab Ministries um, Unlikely Heroes yeah. is doing that work and so find out what that issue is that's breaking your heart and then find the organization that's doing that work yeah. um, if it's policy look at organizations like Saving Innocence um, if it's you know in in the states I think um, so i run an organization called Sanctuary Project that we focus on employment for women coming out of trafficking mm-hmm. because so- I found that was the toughest transition for me to make was going from that life to a community where I felt safe and in an em- yeah. a work environment um, where I felt like I had dignity and purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so that's just the area that I felt over the years I, I've I've worked with other organizations and that's the area I felt most called to and said, okay I want to do this. I want to yeah. work I want to work in this rebuilding area. But a lot of people are passionate about prevention. Um, you yeah. mentioned something about like you know kind of where it starts with pornography and so getting involved in those areas Areas where it's like, what what is the seed that's Ooh. leading to all this? Where does it begin? Yeah. And I think it begins in sexual identity, and uh, it begins in in probably in puberty with like distorted sexual preferences or things like that. And so, how can we get in front of teenagers with a yep. message of yep. your sexuality is is godly and it's and it's holy and it's okay and it's good and it's not yeah. shameful. It doesn't need to be something you do in the dark or mm-hmm. hide from. And so, if we can get to little boys when they're you know ten years old, eleven years old, twelve years old, and their bedroom Googling Porn. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we can actually stop them from becoming the Johns that become the clients that the traffickers are are providing for. And yeah. so, really finding what is that area um, that I feel specifically called to, mm-hmm. and then trying to find those organizations that are doing those work and that work and partnering, um, yeah. partnering awesome. financially, partnering oh, with your time and your talents, yep. yeah. partnering even with your voices, like we're doing here.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. What,
1: you know? I was just going to say there's a great resource for parents. Out there and it's a mm. book and it's a story book and it's called Good Pictures, Bad Pictures. And mm. it's um it's that's a book that's designed for you to start reading to your children as young as three years old and it's teaching them in like a, a three year old like all the way up to 10, like language about what we should be looking at and what we shouldn't be looking at and why looking at bad pictures, what it can do to us internally. And wow. it's just such sometimes I think as a parent, I'm like, I don't want to read that stuff to my kids when they're three. Cause I don't want to taint their innocence, you know? And I'm like, you know what, like if, if I don't start doing that first, like the lens in which they first see something is going to be the yeah. truth for them. Exactly. So true, yeah. unless I, as the parent, get in with this message before the media does, before the world does, then, like, that will become their truth and not the truth that is, you know, what I believe to be true. And so and so, just kind of getting that stuff and having conversations even earlier sometimes than you think is appropriate with yeah. little kids. Mm-hmm. Obviously use wisdom. um But there are some great resources out there for parents if you really want to educate your kids from a young age um, just on, hey, you know what, looking at bad pictures, it might feel fun in the moment, but, like, this is actually what it does to us. And here are Mm -hmm. some ways that we don't have to look at bad pictures. Like, I know I have friends who um, they do something called the ankle check. I don't know if you guys have heard of that, but no, it's like when you're walking along and you might see a billboard that's kind of risque and like you don't want your little kids to see it, we're like, ankle check. And so everyone looks at their ankles while they walk. And it's just like, oh, a, wow, it's just kind so of like your fun cues to do that's with fun. like your little kids. Yeah. Obviously, it's a different conversation when you have teenagers. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have a seven-year-old, a five-year-old, and a two-year-old, so I'm still in that, like, ankle check stage, (laughs) you know? And so just making it kind of fun, but making it something that we talk about, because I think, like, our silence on the matter is actually, like, it's deafening, and Mm -hmm. we're allowing our silence to be filled with the noise of the world. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Unless we have a really strong voice, and we're coming to our kids and presenting this to them in a way where we can help healthfully grow them into Mm -hmm. healthy adults who value their identity, then... I mean, we can't blame the world if if they're talking and we're not, yeah, you know?
4: right. so, yeah, um, and like I don't think you're you're tainting their innocence, if anything, I think you're protecting it, yeah, yeah. because if you're not gonna talk to them, someone will, and then someone's gonna give them whatever just yeah. dis- distorted perception or idea of of sex and purity and mm-hmm. all these and identity, even mm-hmm. and then it's gonna be this like, oh well, like I don't look at it. The way my parents do, and they Mm -hmm. didn't talk to me about it, so it must be shameful. And then they associate sex with shame. Yeah. Yeah. And like, that's not at all what it is.
3: Yeah. yeah, I think that is the biggest issue: is that when we're not talking about things, they become shameful. Yeah, yeah. and I think this is an issue with trafficking in general. Mm-hmm. If we're not talking about what goes on behind the scenes, when you see a prostitute on a corner, mm-hmm. it does become this shame thing of like, yeah. "ew, gross," you know. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and yeah. and so if we can, if we can start bringing it to the light, um, whatever issue it is, whether it's pornography or trafficking, all of a sudden the shame and the stigma can get removed, and the truth can start to come out yeah. Yeah. about what's actually going on. Yeah, yeah. and I. Think I. I think it takes a community, right, because
0: it takes uh, parents, Mm -hmm. you know, educating their children. And I think even in our school systems, um, having some type of programming I think is really important. So I would even encourage um, parents to support organizations that go in and actually build the self-esteem, that talk about some of these issues Mm -hmm. and help partner and collaborate with building self-esteem and identity and things like that. Yeah. I run an organization called Gems United and that's exactly what we did. We go in to the elementary schools and the junior high schools and we help build our self-esteem and we talk about um, just you know finding your identity, finding your purpose and just really bringing amazing women into the community that they would look up to yeah. and just building them from the inside out. The powerful thing that I've, I've learned with working with younger um, girls in particular because our program is targeted towards young girls is that they're actually a whole school like above. So, for example, in elementary school, they're actually at a, a junior high school mentality, or they're getting junior nice. high school yeah. education. Mm, in junior high school, they're getting high school education issues, whether mm. that's sex, whether that's—I'm mm. talking everything. I mean, I'm in I'm in the elementary school, and they're talking about blowjobs. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's like it, you think that they don't know, but they're hearing these things. And then when they're in high school, they're already at college and adult mm-hmm. level. Yeah. So I love what you were saying about having those uncomfortable conversations yeah. with your children— yeah a lot sooner because other people are talking about it and it's yeah. not going to be the truth. Now I'm going
3: to go
1: home and talk to my 5 month Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sweetie, we gotta yeah. talk. <laughs> Girl, let me I, tell think you. Even, I think like having the schools join your voice and like petitioning for that and if your kids go to a youth group or whatever it is, but at the end of the day, you are the parent. Yes. yes. And you cannot put that responsibility to educate your children about sex on a church, on an organization, yep. yeah. on a school. Yep. Like, it's you. Like, yep. you're, you're not paying for your kid to go to school school to learn about sex yes and so I I have a lot of people who are like well they should be learning that at their youth group no they should be learning that from you if you're their parent you know and so just to kind of put that responsibility back Mm -hmm. into the parents hands like Mm -hmm. we can't stay silent on this and we can't disconnect because I know for me like I um I didn't have a lot of self-esteem growing up like as a teenager and but I also never had conversations about sex with my parents and so when I did start having sex as a teenager I didn't want to tell my parents. Yeah. Like, yeah. no yeah. way. Yeah. I didn't want to... I don't I mean, I don't want to have that conversation really right now with no. my parents. <laughs> but they still don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like, immaculate <not> <laughs>
3: conception.
2: <laughs> all three of them. <laughs> the babies appeared with, like, a I stork, know. right? On that your, that's yeah, crazy. Did <laughs> any
3: of us hear from our parents about sex? But I, I actually, actually did. Oh, so I, I actually can see no, your no, mom. No, I could see I mean, your mom doing yeah, it. That's my too. mom My parents are...
2: They're so awesome. Did you learn about it for the first time from I learned about it for sex for the first time from my parents and I actually got in trouble because I told other um <laughs> guys these are our barbies and they're yes. wrong like they're supposed to cut anyway that was making hair show for me she was like my parents told me how babies are made and oh, i'm gonna tell God. you oh. tro- i remember getting true. phone calls for <laughs> my mom getting phone calls and she was like listen you did it again but here's the deal though i do want to talk about i mean the way that we talk about sex too to kids because or or just something if something is off You know, Mm because I will say, like, things happened to me, happened to other people in my family, and, like, it wasn't specifically what we were told, like, tell mom and dad about this, Mm. you know? But, like, from a very young age, put, like, the shame in me and put this... Um, this weirdness in me about sex that actually wasn't triggered again until I was in a healthy relationship. Mm. Like, I, Mm. you know, had casual sex through, you know, college and all that stuff because I was like, well, it's supposed to be bad. Like, it's supposed Mm. to feel this way. It's supposed to be dangerous. Mm. You know? And then, like, when I was actually in a healthy, loving relationship, being like, Oh my god. Exactly. I can do yeah. it. No, but, but uh, just feeling like something's wrong because yeah. now I'm safe and now that's when I'm triggered. You yeah. Know? Right. And so, yeah. like, even just, just, I don't know, I'm not a parent yet, but like, even maybe just saying, like, if anything feels off, and my parents told me they knew when something happened because. Suddenly, I was afraid of the dark. Suddenly, Me too, I was yeah. 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 Same. I wouldn't I was, take my coat off. Yeah, wouldn't yeah. take your coat off. Suddenly, I was like three years old and like masturbating. You know, yeah. <laughs> and they were like, yeah. "This is weird." Yeah. So, like, just just if you see anything, it's scary. I'm sure it's really scary as a parent to feel that way or like, yeah. to be like, what, what's going on here, but just to press them and, and push them. I yeah. think. But I wanted to ask you, what do you think would have been
0: helpful if you could look back at that yeah. time, like to maybe help someone out there, maybe a parent who's like, okay, well, how can I have that conversation? What do you think maybe would have been helpful or maybe some questions or maybe, do you yeah. know what I mean?
2: Yeah. So I think what would be helpful or what maybe would have been helpful is just The pressing and being like, listen, even if it's not X, Y, and Z things that I'm listing, like, did something make you uncomfortable? Like, what happened? Um, So, you know, even if you have to get... Just ask them, like, what made you uncomfortable, basically? Like, because it's a very broad, sex is a broad spectrum, yeah. Yeah. And, like, what can happen to you? And also, just affirming, like, there is nothing that you did. Like, you are not dirty. You don't need to be ashamed. Like, you're not a bad kid. Because the belief that I had was, like, I'm a bad kid, and that's what brought this on. Because mm-hmm. that was like the mm-hmm. messaging. I was kind of a bad kid. <laughs> but I thought, like, oh, my mischief, my mischievousness yeah. got me into trouble. So yeah. Yeah. I think too yeah. with
3: kids too. Um, to make sure they understand that they can say no to touch. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Uh, one thing that's really helpful, I think as parents is to make sure you're saying to your children, like, don't make them go hug uncle, uncle Tom, yep. you know, yeah. it, they get to say yes or no. That's they're bo- They have, yeah. they have bodily autonomy. Yeah. yeah. And so they get to say no to touch. Like, do you want to hug uncle Tom? No, don't hug uncle Tom. Mm-hmm. Even if it's someone, you know, yeah. to be a safe person, mm-hmm. Yeah. even yeah. if it's their brother, whatever it is, making sure that they have the bodily autonomy from the time they're Born to That's say no good. to touch yeah. Yeah, because tickles and things like that. Um, when when I see children being like a tickled beyond the point of comfort, mm-hmm. I get uncomfortable because mm-hmm. I'm like that child needs to be able to say no to a tickle. Yeah. That's they need, yeah. no a they need to be able to say no to a hug. They need to be able to say no to kissing him on the cheek or kissing their cousin or whatever. Um, and and I think we need to be aware that like that no starts with us giving empowering them right. to yeah, say right. no. Well, and
4: letting them be aware of what is okay and right. if you. Don't, and what feels like, good for them? Yeah, and as a kid, like, people are always like poking and like
3: yeah. tickling
4: you. And I'm like, I remember multiple times where I was like, I felt like my space was being so, like, Violated, violated, and preyed on because I trusted them, and I think just like making mm-hmm. sure you're having that conversation of like, do you trust? Like, how do you feel around this person? Yeah, mm-hmm. like especially if you're leaving them with them for like any period of time. Yeah, like,
0: and I don't have any children yet either, but uh, there was a. I'm always asking for advice to different parents because I, I watch how certain people parent and I'm like, I love that you did that. I love that. Can mm-hmm. you tell me more about that? There's a couple that I met and they actually don't have secrets. They they don't do yeah. secrets mm-hmm. within, within their family. That's so, surprises, but no secrets. Yeah, no so secrets. Good. And it was interesting because I, I was talking to their daughter and I said, okay, it's a secret. And and then she had said, oh, it's a secret to their parents. Said, no, we don't have secrets. And I was like, I didn't realize. That's
3: and so then good. I pulled it's them so aside good. and
0: I said, I want to understand what that is because I love what you were communicating, and they yeah. were saying that when you have secrets, you know, an adult can prey mm-hmm. on that, and they mm-hmm. can touch wow. a kid inappropriately. They yeah. can, and like, oh, it's our secret. Shh, don't mm. tell anyone. That's yeah, even a that's way so in. Cool. A
1: lot of adults will be like, "Can you keep a secret?" Exactly. And they yeah. test a child exactly. oftentimes before they do any form yeah. of sexual abuse. Right. They'll exactly. test a child to see how a susceptible they are, yeah. and b how if they're going to tell or not. Yes. Yeah. And so that, like, I was, I was told that as well when I first started parenting. Is like, don't have secrets but have surprises i don't so it's like even for christmas it's Mm -hmm. like no it's a surprise but Mm -hmm. it's not a secret like you know and so having this thing with your children and i think approaching them with their like there's no shame it's like do you have a thought about a a member of like the same sex there's no shame in that because we're we're actually born as sexual beings yeah Mm -hmm. we just need to learn how to manage our sexuality it's we don't need to learn how to turn it off We need to learn how to manage it. And so, like, coming at it from, like, hey, the feelings you're having, they're not bad feelings, but you get to determine what you do with those feelings. And so making them the powerful person and making it so it's, like, it's actually normal, you know? It's normal that people have these thoughts. It's just how we manage it. So I think that helps them not associate sex or sexual acts with shame.
4: Yeah, Absolutely. Before we end off, I just want to touch on, um, like, did your parents talk to you or not? And, like, the one thing my parents did that, like, Changed the way I looked at sex was um, when we reached a certain age. Um, my mom took my sister out on her own, like did a fun girls' weekend and made it something celebrated. And was mm-hmm. like, "Here, we're gonna have the worst, most awkward conversation about what sex is, but we're gonna go shopping. We're gonna go out <laughs> for supper, and just th- my kind of conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And like, right. <laughs> why and like, dine me now." <laughs> <we're getting laughs> a <whole lot> to- <laughs> that with my brother as well and it was something that like we actually got to look forward to yeah Yeah, like oh my goodness like I can't wait to like have this time with my mom where she gets to teach me about this I do believe that because my parents they treated it as something that was almost sacred and valuable it made me look at myself in a different way. And I was like, I don't want to just, like, go off with all these guys. Like, I don't want to do that because I know that, like, emotionally that would wreck me if I'm just doing all these things. Mm -hmm. And it also taught me to, like, also respect my parents. And so one thing we did, um, it was like when I turned 13, or my siblings too, we did a bar mitzvah, which is a Jewish tradition where you, like, commit to staying pure until you're married. And, and. Like, I had, um, we had all my family come over and, like, it was super meaningful and beautiful and it was exciting because it was celebrating purity and Mm. it was celebrating who we were as, like, an individual. And Mm. so, like, and then all the men in the family would just come and they'd pray for us and and just be, like, my dad would just honor us as as um, adults. and mm. it, that really is what it was for us. And it was like this exciting time where I saw the value and I also recognized the place that like my dad, had in where he really loved and valued mm-hmm. me as beautiful. an individual yeah. and as an adult so yeah, it's amazing
1: and it's almost like you got your family backing you up on that as yeah. well like they're yeah. standing there and committing to you and to your purity yeah. and it's and like so oh i don't have, have to your fight value. this on my own yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. That's so, yeah. Cool. so beautiful yeah. I love that. and
2: i love the role of men being like hey we are yes. standing for this value yeah. Yeah. in yeah. your life yeah so we're yeah. gonna protect yeah. you yeah so it's fun. not just like oh you're a woman so like stay away from all men. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> men are rallying yeah. around yeah. you yeah. as a
3: valuable person and that your purity is valuable yeah. too. It's, it's valuable. funny, yeah. I, I went too. to a lot of bar and bought mitzvahs growing up and I mostly made out with guys in the bushes. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I know, I was like, as soon that's that's you said that, bar I bar was like, Wow, that's what the bar mitzvahs are."
2: about. I um, you just get a lot of money <laughs> and like get on a, on a chair. You have like a know, Torah portion and then you like, and then there's a party and then you make out with guys in the bushes. No?
4: But, so we're not traditional, um, Jew, we're not from a traditional Jewish. You're Canadian. Culture. I'm Canadian. Jewish. I'm very much not at all. Jewish. I guess it's different in Canada. <laughs> yeah, in New York, it's like us. you just get a lot of money <laughs> and you have it for a really long time. One yeah. thing my parents love is um, <laughs> the they they really cherish tradition, and so and they also love researching everything. So um, what they did was they went and researched what it was yeah. traditionally. And probably, I don't. There were no boys there at my marriage class, so no one <laughs> to make out with. It was just my family. No one to make out with. Not my first kiss. I was in my twenties, <laughs> but it created value and honor over Absolutely. like growing up into adulthood and growing up, value, feeling valued. Like in that moment, like I felt so valued and cherished and encouraged and protected. By my family that, like, I was like, I don't want to do anything that would, like, change how I view myself or this moment. And there was
3: joy over it. I love that it was, like, this joyous thing of, like, I'm going to take you out and we're going to celebrate your sexuality because it's so joyful. Yeah, yeah. And, like, if God... If God could sit down and have that conversation with us, it would be like this whole joyful thing, right? Yeah, Where it's yeah, like, yeah. I mean, I feel like we're created to be these sexual beings. We're created to experience joy in it. Yeah, and your parents yeah. did such an incredible job of modeling that. It's yeah. amazing. Very well well done, parents. Yeah, well yeah, parents done. Thanks, Marlon <laughs> and Susan. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are
2: not done talking about this topic. Join us for our next episode when we continue our conversation about anti-trafficking, uh, awareness, and also, I guess, sexuality. (laughs) We're in it. So (laughs) we'll see you next time. Bye.